it's like what two years after i finished my degree is there like an expiry date where someone will hire me you know interesting thoughts yeah. yeah so i was just like oh like am i gonna go the traditional way am i gonna pursue an entrepreneurial kind of roots but i don't have the experience of the knowledge base to really do that just yet and it was like all these things were building up Hey, I'm Jamie. Welcome back to another episode of The Jamie and You Show, where I shine light on the amazing things people are doing and through conversation, uncover unique insights that could inspire you or enable you to pursue your greatest ideas. Feel free to pause the conversation at any time and write down your favorite quotes, your favorite insights, and please share them with us. If you're watching this, please share them in the comment section below. And if you're listening or the comment section isn't for you, please tweet me at Jamie and you. Wayne, welcome to the show. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have myself here. Thank you. It's a pleasure <laughs> to have you too, man. Yeah, so good to see you again. Wayne, how do you go from studying and realizing that technology might be an element of something you want to pursue in your career, but then going and bouncing all over the world, trying different things, trying some uncharted territory, and then coming back and settling and finding some stability in perhaps a young professional lifestyle um well yeah just for some context and and reference as well is that we obviously went to high school together yes. but um we're kind of in different areas in school um but as you can remember i kind of picked up information systems as a degree at uct with you halfway through first year um, and that's when we really started connecting more yeah exactly yeah. um and there was like obviously you and i we connected on a level outside of our studies because of that shared passion for music um me not so formally but i obviously dabble in a bit um and and yeah i we obviously i went from a very wide range kind of degree being quite unsure as to what i wanted to do um starting off my first year of varsity with the b common management studies um which in itself says i have no idea what i'm doing that um, degree gives you a bit of a taste of everything yeah yeah but from what in, I understand. in an overwhelming kind of way because right. um, there were just so many more subjects that we were doing um, and just even more so confusing because you wouldn't you weren't too sure which one you like because you didn't have time to spend time on the thing that you may like which w that's weird because that was the intention of the degree right yeah to get a feel for everything exactly um, and I just you know what you know what's actually quite strange is that it was probably overwhelming for me because at the time um, I was actually in a long-term relationship with a girl out in the UK and I was living in Nordic, driving to and from Nordic to UCT, which is quite a stretch, like roughly give or take 30 Ks. But at the same time, I was working at Forries to to save up to go and see her in June, July. That's so intense. Yeah. So it's just And like, then keeping in contact with her. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, like you're always on your phone, reassuring. And it was just like one of those young, clueless relationships. Um, and then long story short, I mean, I went to the UK did what I needed to do, but then we both kind of agreed that it was like, it was time to call it, it wasn't sustainable. And then um, in between that, um, I was obviously dabbling a bit in that electronic music kind of stage. I you remember know. that, that yeah. was so cool. <laughs> you had some cool tracks. Man. Oh dude, <laughs> kind of cringe, but like it was, no. all for, it was all for the joke and it was cool. Um, and then like through that, I think I realized that um, there is a creative side to me that I'm trying to fulfill, but at the same time I do have some level of aptitude for technological stuff and that kind of brought me towards information systems as a specialization um 
and it just kind of flourished from there really um and yeah i, I moved away from nerdic into digs a lot closer to ect um and obviously the difficulty and overwhelming part of varsity changed and became a lot more accommodating and did you enjoy the degree yeah i mean obviously like I didn't really get to the level of technicality that most of the guys in the class did um, purely because I was still like that anti-society kind of dude, like, ah, oh, conforming. But in, at the same time, I was still loving it because it was so different to what everybody else studied. And when you tell people like, oh, I'm studying information systems, they're like, oh, okay, you must be really clever. And it was like the usual thing is like, so what's information systems? And you just be like computers and shit. And they're like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Stop right there. <laughs> I've, heard, I've heard enough. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I get what you said. <laughs> um, yeah. And then it, it just kind of moved along. Um, I, it was a three-year stint. Um with trials and tribulations in between. There were obviously some courses that I didn't enjoy. Um, but kind of on the side of that, like outside of studying, um, just the lifestyle that I had now living at digs with new friends, all studying different things. Um, got into a relationship there with someone almost too similar to me, like very competitive um, into their sports um, and also challenging towards me as I was challenging towards her in many ways. Um, and then I think, you know, between you and myself and obviously Chris and Devin, um, all of us having like a similar kind of interest, uh, yeah, type of interests. Um, Chris and I got on pretty well with me coming along with him to shoot some GoPro things, you know, we'd do a little downhill skate because we live close to each other. Um, yeah, so just for some context, Chris and Devin were classmates of ours. Yeah, yeah. Um, at uh, the time of this, yeah, of studying. Yeah. Um, so obviously Chris is now Chris Rogers, a really well-known filmmaker and really into his GoPro stuff. So um, him and I clicked and, you know, quite often my girlfriend at the time and I, as well as my friend Matthew, um, would all go skate down the road um, and Chris would bring his GoPro. Um, and each like each time it almost seemed like you'd just be bringing a new one. Um, and um, yeah, on the side of that, just kind of feeding off what he was doing, what you and Chris were doing with crotch camera, which was like kind of like in a... What was crotch camera exactly? The crotch camera started as us taking photos, uh, but it morphed into shooting event videos. Yes. We would get called on to, to shoot an event. Uh, we did the Ultra that came here. We did Skrillex when Skrillex was here. Yes. Uh, we did one of the Rages, Bolito Rage. Uh, did some work with Goldfish. So they got us to film events, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously, like being in the class and our class being relatively small, I kept seeing you guys do this. And you guys yes. are getting onto this Instagram thing. I was like, okay, well, let me let me try and see what's up. Um, and through that, Chris started letting me take some photos and use it and try and, you know, build up this following. Um, as well as, like, you know, we'd spend most of our breaks on Twitter trying to enter competitions just to get free stuff. You I know? remember that. Yeah. Um, we were locked of, into social media at that dude. time. Dude. Yeah. And it was almost a waste of time, but almost not. Um, and obviously, that kind of led me into being more interested in the creative side, uh, learning to take photos. Um, it was only much later that I kind of branched out into DSLR photography, but it was just the normal GoPro photography that I was really enjoying. It was really cool back then. We were we were trying everything out. Mm. That's what I loved. We were playing. Yeah. That's what we were doing. Yeah, we were exactly. Playing around, trying different things. And yeah, we were all feeding off each other in that. Yeah. And, um, you know, obviously with the that university experience like things kind of quiets down you buckle down you start studying but like i said the girlfriend at the time um she challenged me a lot so i kind of quit rugby at 
um, I think it was in 20, like early 2015 due to an injury. You were playing a lot of rugby as well. Yeah, dude. Um, you started I mean, taking it very seriously. Yeah, it's strange. So <laughs> how's this? Okay, so I was working in Forries. And I was like really skinny, dude, like like super skinny. I was overworking myself. I need to get to England, get to England. But just on like my last one or two shifts at Forries, my old coach from high school walks in and he's the coach for the under 28 team at UCT. And he was like, dude, we need you. Train. You've got six months in trials at this time. That's awesome. And literally, as soon as I got back from the UK and obviously my head was now rugby, 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 I, I really want to play again. Um, you know, the relationship ended um, on somewhat sour terms, but it eventually, we still speak to each other now. So it's actually ended in good terms in the long run. Um, but I ended up spending a lot of time with Joshua Jacobson, right. uh, you know, our friend from school. Um, and yeah, we trained like all day, every day. And I ended up putting on massive amounts of muscle within those six months, made the side, started playing so much rugby then. Um, only to get injured, I tore my ankle. I tore the ligaments in my ankle, like like really badly. Damn. Yeah. Playing. Playing. Um, yeah. And it was actually one of the trial matches. And um, the funny thing is, is that I was like hobbling along at Varsity with this huge cankle, like, ah, you know, I've had a twisted ankle before. Just walk it off. It's all good. No worries. Um, and the lady, the, the physio that saw me, she was like, you know, if you had just seen me straight after the match, you would have been in a moon boot. And two weeks later, you would be playing. Ooh. So what I ended up doing was hobbling along, trying to be a be a hero, and um, long story short, that was my season gone. Um, so as a result, my girlfriend at the time convinced me to take up paddling, and yeah, so you I don't need your ankle for that. No, no, you don't. <laughs> well, you kind of do, but you don't. Like I mean, anyway. Um, so running was kind of like a no go for a good while, and then what made it worse is thinking that I was okay, and then going skating and uh trying to show off in front of everyone and bust a kickflip yeah so you try and you do a kickflip and i sent my left foot where the ligaments are like not quite healed yet and um kick it out and just retold them no even worse and i was like my that was like really my season gone now i was like there's no chance where i know <laughs> no um did you get to play anything did you get yeah to yeah make, so to we, make we competed in, in 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 varsity cup um, and then we played a whole season, but it was the following oh, year, right. at the beginning of that following year Got you. Okay. that um, things kind of went downhill. And then I was like, you know what, it's, it's probably time. I do want to run when I'm 40 years old. Mm. And I had to give it up, you know. Um, and then don't get me wrong, paddling was just as epic. Um, I love that. Um, but yeah, towards the end of the varsity career, it was, it was kind of like a, a make or break thing. Like I was still very confused as to what I wanted to do because with what we were studying, you could... You could either go into the corporate world and get stuck into into something very traditional, um, but it felt very claustrophobic for me. Um, and then I had this huge cloud over the top of my head saying, "Like, Wena, you've got a student loan to pay off, and no one's going to pay it off anytime soon. You've got to make some money fast, otherwise you're going to be on the back foot." Um, as with everybody uh, these days, it seems. Um, and the best thing that I could think of at the time was going to work on the yachts. Um, yeah, so I, you know, at the time I was like, mm, maybe I should study a postgraduate diploma in entrepreneurship, make a killer business, make millions that way. Um, and then, like I said, I keep referring to this girlfriend at the time. Her name was Catherine. Um, and Catherine had one more year of her of her engineering degree left. And I thought, okay, well, this postgrad diploma is one year long. Let me 
do that. That gives her a year to finish her degree and then we can go and travel the world together. Right. Um, but then maybe start my business right on the side and all be peachy. Um, she wasn't keen, uh, broke my heart. And then um, I was like, cool, back to the drawing board. Um, and yeah, then I was like, I need to get out. So I had like so much claustrophobia within Cape Town. I'd yeah. done all the things that I needed to do. So this was do. just before finishing studying that all of this was happening? Yeah, like I just finished my final exam. Right. And it was funny, like we ended our relationship in that January of 20 to, uh, 2016. Got you. Yeah. And um, yeah, like looking back now, I'm really glad that she did that because I would have actually held myself back. I would probably still have a student loan to be paying off. Interesting. Um. And yeah, my mates, my mate Kevin Hardham and Matthew Whitehead, they were like, yeah, dude, you need to go to the yachts. You need to get out of here. You've been in Cape Town for too long. Um, go and experience the world. And I literally, the following day, asked my mom, mom, can I borrow money from you? I need to pay for my courses. I'm going to go pursue this yacht thing. Um, I need to go make some euros. And it was sketchy because like it's a, it's a thing. Like you, you can't legally go and do this. You can't legally go and look for work in, in, in Europe or the United States for that matter. Um, and that's where the yachting industry is most prominent, you know. Mm. Um, and at the way where the time of year was, where the season was leading, was like Europe was the way to go. So once I'd finished my courses, um, that's exactly what I did. Right. On a plane, said see ya. Um, so it's high risk, but high reward. Massive risk, dude. Whoa. Like my hustle game had to be on point. Mm. Um, and literally, as soon as I landed, as soon as I landed in Nice, um, I got to the place that I was staying, which is like a backpackers, like a crew house full of everybody just like me. Whoa. Everybody's like mates. Everybody's getting drunk together, but everybody's competing for the same job. That's weird. And they don't, yeah, <laughs> kind of yeah. incestuously weird. Because um, people got around in there, dude. Um, and my, my head was focused. I was like, no, I need to make money. I need to get this done and you get out the way so I can show everyone what I'm capable of kind of thing. It was kind of like to prove a point rather than to do it for myself. Got you. Which looking back was probably not a good thing to do, but a very important thing to do as well. Right. Um, I mean, I must say, yeah, sometimes maybe that's not the healthiest approach. Like no. you should be doing things for yourself as much as possible. Yeah. But it depends what the result is. Yeah, man. Like, and the circumstance, yeah if, it's, yeah. if it's positive, if it's pushing you into a positive space, then that can actually be something you can leverage to exactly. get things done. And that, w that was my drive. It really was. Um, and it almost kind of over, it was almost in overdrive. Um, so what I did is like, as soon as I landed there, got to the place and you spend like a day or two setting yourself up with your SIM card, getting your CVs printed, all those things, and then sussing it out. And then everybody was going to the same ports to go and look for work on these boats. And I was like, mm, no, I'm going to go against the grain, not going to follow the sheep. And I went to Italy, which was like a two, three hour train ride just past Monaco. Um, everybody went to like Joan Lapin and Cannes, which was in the complete opposite direction. And myself, this guy, I think his name Lian, um, and then a girl called Tiffany. Three of us went, and every single boat that we had approached, because you obviously split up, and you're like, okay, well, this is my territory. Mm -hmm. That's yours. You go and look. And um, yeah, first boat I approached, South African couple running this boat, and they no were like, way. here you go, day work, dude. No way. And the thing is, like, you rock up with money, and you run out really soon, because, I mean, rands to euros at the time is pennies. Killer, yeah. And... Um, yeah, and then I, I got like a good week and a half's worth of day work. I think like 100 euros a day, all expenses covered. Solid. They even let me stay on the boat. Um, and then, yeah, you just hustle. You work yourself to the bone. And you get your money just so you can last. But there was no chance of a permanent employment there. Um, but that eventually lasted me out to eventually get a gig on a boat um, on the day of the Monaco Grand Prix. 
So I literally left this boat um, and this boat actually took me from Genoa in Italy, which is like a big port city where Christopher Columbus is from, in case you want to know. Um, and I know. And um, <laughs> Fun fact. <laughs> yeah, now you know. Um, and this boat left Genoa. It's kind of like a, I would say, half a day's journey, uh, if that, to get to Monaco. And um, literally docked, helped the boat dock or whatever, stepped off that boat with my bags and walk straight onto the next boat and that boat was docked five meters off the main dock because it's really close to the racetrack um so in case an accident happens no car or any kind of carnage can kind of land where the boats are right so we we're right there dude and um so wait you get off the other boat yeah you, you walk up to a boat and you say and i was like hey guys um I'm the new deckhand. <laughs> <laughs> and they just look at me Welcome like... Welcome aboard. No, not even. They're oh. just like, we'll get the first officer. And I was like, oh, but you know what? It was like, yes. it was kind of like a trial to see like how I take it. Long story short, everybody were absolute legends um, for the most part, at least. Um, but yeah, dude, like when you're working during the Monaco Grand Prix, you have to wear um, earplugs because the noise within wow. that valley, dude, just resonates. And it's just like... And yeah, straight up to the Grand Prix, cooked over down to, um, we spent like a couple of days in um, Mandalu Napoli. Um, it's right near, it's right near Nice or right near Cannes actually. Um, and then from there we went and we spent a good while in Barcelona. Um, from Barcelona, we went to Ibiza, Ibiza to Palma, back to Barcelona, Gibraltar. We went to a little place called Cadiz, a place called Cuta, which is like on Moroccan soil, but a Spanish territory in the same way that Gibraltar is on Spanish soil, but is British territory. Couldn't grasp that one. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then after that, kind of rounded out and landed back in, in Genoa, um, where, where I pursued my second season and ended up spending six to seven months on a new boat, um, living in Genoa in the cold, cold winter, dude. Um, I managed to go snowboarding for the first time. Um, but I learned so much because the boat that we were working on is kind of like a shipyard vibe. So it's not this glim glam, keep the boat shiny and serve guests. It's now like hard work. You're helping the shipyard workers make this boat better, do its maintenance. Yep. So like spraying the hull, spraying top coat paint on clean finishes. Like you learn so much in terms of practicality that I had not learned prior to. Um, and what's the environment like? Are they smacking you around, getting you stuck in? No, or? no, no. You have to be super firm. So right. this is where I learned massive people management skills. Like if I had to put it onto my CV, dude, like I was managing, um, I think a team of about 20 day workers, combination of South Africans, Filipinos, some French, um, some Italian. And then those are the, the day workers that we employ on a day-to-day -day basis to come and help just for the measly boring stuff like Labor, painting the yeah. chain, you know, like I mean, spraying the chain, painting the chain, sanding down chairs to re-oil the chairs, like, those kind of things. But then in amongst that, you're working alongside shipyard workers who are contracted by the shipyard. Um, and you have to make sure that they do their job properly. Um, Cause obviously, you know, they try and find shortcuts, do things half job. And you don't want that to happen mid season where lights aren't working or, um, you know, all of a sudden the cleat comes loose. Not that it'll really happen, but I mean, it was hectic. Yeah, there's risk there, man. Yeah. People are going to cut corners. Yeah. yeah. And then your, your job's on the line. For sure. Um, so you have to manage that. You have to, track people's keep on their case but also be that friendly guy to not kind of deter their enthusiasm yeah you want to keep the morale up exactly but you still have to manage them and get stuff exactly done. and yeah. be firm and say there's a deadline 
Um, and long story short, like this, this boat was fairly old. It was about a 12 year old, um, Amel's build, which is like a Dutch built super yacht. Um, but quite old, 12 to 10 years old. That's quite old. Um, and it was going through a full interior refit. So like literally ripping everything out from the inside and putting everything brand new inside. Then over and above that, what a project! I know, dude. It was Whoa. it was crazy stressful, but we were living in a villa on the mountain in Italy. Got you. Because you couldn't live on the boat. And then um, we extended the boat as well by an additional three meters. It was fifty-two meter long Amel's super yacht that got extended in the aft for a beach club. Um, yeah, that was intense, dude. Watching them cut off the back of a boat to add yeah. more boats, it was just like. Um, and the owner was the minister of trade and industry of Russia. So he's like right there with Putin to know that was just like, okay, we better do this properly. Things are real. Yeah. And you call him, sir, you don't call him Dennis, which is what his name was. <laughs> um, <laughs> <NDA> gone. Um, <laughs> um, and yeah. And then after that, like, you know, in between these adventures, um, I got, I had the funds to obviously keep paying my student loan back but also go snowboarding, go to Barcelona, go to Cannes, go and experience these places um, and immerse myself in culture. The problem was, is like you're in France for a couple of weeks and you start picking up French and then you end up moving to Spain and you start picking up Spanish and then you move to Italy and you start picking up Italian. Eventually you're saying, si, oui, where, well, and people are like, what? No, <laughs> that's Italiano. It's like, oh, it's just, oh shit. And Damn. then it's the British colony and the Spanish yeah, and the this colony. Hella confusing. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> Um, territory then, rather let me say not color yeah, 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 yeah territorial vibes saying, yeah. it's just like you don't want to question it. you're just like okay um, and then yeah like in between that I managed to fund uh, fund getting myself a nice DSLR camera like at least a good one to this start this is while with. you're on the trip you mm. grab a camera yeah, yeah. Right. it was like, I think it was like my first before I I'd been like one week on my first boat I had so much money left over in cash um, from my day work that I'd done um, you can't really deposit anything into an account until you've set up your offshore accounts. And then even if you've got an offshore account, you can't deposit money into it. You have to get electronically wired. Right. And to put that into a bank is admin and there's so many legal issues. So Nightmare. with that cash, I just paid cash from my camera. Amazing. Yeah. And, and um, you had to do it. You just yeah. had to buy a camera. Dude. Um, so <laughs> the, the amount of time, just to put into context, I was carrying two and a half thousand euros in cash. That's yeah. a lot of money. That's a dude. It was it was dang. It was like massive. You just like flipping around. You just like hiding. <laughs> um, and when the ladies at the till saw me hand over in hundred euros and fifty euro notes, they were just like, "Okay, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, it works for me." Um, <laughs> and then yeah, so in between that, oh, you can imagine the kind of shots I was getting. I mean, Incredible, you're out yeah. on like plain ocean, or you're in the most unreal terrain. Um, the stint in Barcelona, three weeks, I was with this beautiful girl called Abigail O'Connor. Um, she showed me around. She actually, on my days off, we organized a trip up to Costa Brava, which is like in the, in the eastern upper coast of the Catalonia area of Barcelona. I mean, the whole of Barcelona is pre predominantly Catalonia, but further up there, you start to pick up the differences in the Spanish language. So you've got your traditional Spanish but um, you pick up the Catalonian further up you go. And because I'd been there for long enough to kind of pick up on the differences, um, it was that much more prominent there. Uh, blue waters, barren kind of vegetation, but beautiful, man. The sangria, the, the cured meats, the tapas, it was just insane. Um, so with that, um, I was just taking the most unreal photos and learning. 
doing all these things while I could, whilst just writing a blog, trying to work on that. And nice. you know, just keep my mind busy. Because, I mean, cleaning a boat only gets you so far. As much as the money's good, it wasn't very fulfilling. Well, once again, also scratching, uh, scratching that creative itch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, it was massive. That. And then, you know, with, with your camera, you've got some technical like technicalities that you have to build off and work around to get better. So you're being technical and using technology by calibrating your photos and having the right features on your camera to get the shot. But then at the same time, the way you compose that shot, the way you capture a moment or remember that moment or the way you write about that moment, it all kind of fed off each other. That's actually a good point. Like uh, photography and videography mm. being this combination of creativity, the art side, exactly. but also the technology side. Super hybrid, you have, yeah. yeah. You have to know how the tech works to get the best results. Yeah. And that's exciting in itself. Yeah. How do I work out the, the settings and then also the editing? How do I play with the levels and whatnot? Exactly. But then the art side, you have to have the art side. You can't just go snapping anything yeah. and hope you can transform it with technology. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's exactly what was happening. And then, you know, as you start working harder and things start getting tougher in the season, um, things start weighing down on you, man. The hours are hectic. Um, you start losing sleep. You start eating poorly. Um, and it, it just catches up to you. And then that first year that I was away, the first year that I was away, I came back home and I surprised my friends at the sevens, like my, my good close mates, everybody was planning to go to the sevens. And then my friend, Kevin Hardham was my inside scoop. And I told him, listen, dude, I'm coming here on this day, get me a ticket. Um, and I'm going to rock up in a morph suit. So you got to make up the story for me. I think I saw this video. Yeah, dude. Someone uh, took a video of you doing this. Yeah, this is Kevin. So Kevin filmed the whole thing. And I rocked up in like a gingerbread, uh, yeah, gingerbread man morph suit. Um, and I just walked in and I was supposed to be someone's random cousin. But I didn't take my mask off. So everyone was like, who the hell is this dude? So rude. Um, and then I was like only half an hour in. Like I was bursting. I just wanted to say hello to everybody because it has been so long. Half an hour is a long time oh, for dude. some random guy. Like if, if everyone's thinking, oh, who's this random guy? I was clearly left in the corner. <laughs> um, you'll see in the Did video. Did you not say anything? No, but I was like, hi, I was just changing my oh. voice and my posture. And it was just like, yeah. <laughs> and they were just totally believing it. But they were just like, who is this loser? Why is he with us? We're all in life-saving gear. Every, that was the theme. Everyone was lifeguards. And here's a student in a gingerbread man suit. So you were in, in the wrong theme. Like, Everything. Who's this guy? <laughs> Imagine trying to sip beer through a morph suit, dude. It was horrible. <laughs> Hated it. Um, and yeah, eventually. So no one knew you were coming back to Cape Town. No one besides Kevin and his girlfriend Katie. Okay. Um, so everyone was completely unexpecting yeah. of what I was going to do, and then um, yeah, then I surprised the shit out of them, and they just lost it, man. And we yes. obviously had a great time. But I was only in so I was only in Cape Town for two weeks. Then, then I went to Joburg for another two weeks to see family. And, but that little stint just saw, well, made me like see how much I've just missed. Interesting. I've, I've just missed yeah. so much in one year. Everybody's changed. Everybody's either leaving or they're doing their own thing or they're like potentially forgetting about me. And that anxiety, man, was just, it wasn't cool to deal with. And that, you know, what's funny is that that's life. You know, everybody's on their own mission essentially. And that's kind of what I had to come to terms with in the following year that I was doing to finally pay off my student loan was that. And everybody, when I was there, had some plan. They were going to go and pursue this career or they were going to go do that or they had some talent that they wanted to work on. Um, and it was just gnawing inside of me that I was like cleaning someone's boat for a living. Great money. But also you you probably were coming off quite a high. It's, I mean, the way you've described your trip, yeah, it sounded like it was, it was yeah. great. Yeah. But then when you came to Cape Town, you now were comparing yourself against these peers of yours mm. that had been on different paths. 
Yeah. It rattles you a bit. But do you know what's hectic here? And I, I, I realized I came across this quote. Everybody's probably heard it. Sorry if you have. But um, old Teddy Roosevelt said, comparison is the thief of joy. I heard that quote only a few days ago that reminded me of it. It's How hard does that resonate with it's you? It's potent, yeah. Yeah, and I, I just realized that now, like, so with the whole where social media is going, which we'll, you know, I'll touch on later, but um, yeah, it just, I realized that I was wrong to have done that. And I lived my second year on the yachts in... Wrong to have done what? Wrong to have compared myself to oh. my mates at the time and where they were going. Got you. Um, as opposed to just looking at me and what I've achieved so far. Like I basically paid off my student loan already um, and putting some decent money away and managed to fund a whole bunch of other things like going snowboarding for the first time. Most of my friends still don't know what snow's like, dude. They've never experienced it. Um, we have done that and I've just gone to all these cool places and yeah, I've, I've earned an experience that not many people can. Um, and man, I have to touch on the, the student loan thing. Congrats. Huge oh, yeah, deal. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. Huge deal. Massive. Like taking massive responsibility for knocking this thing out before yeah. it starts to pull you back in life. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah. It was, it was. And the thing is, I actually didn't give myself enough credit at the time when I did. I think I sent through my last payments and I was just like, cool, what now? And I actually started thinking like I've actually only got a few months left to actually save some money what I do and then it was like panic I was like what am I gonna I'm gonna keep doing this yawning thing is it sustainable you know I'm gonna earn x amount of money and then what I do after that am I gonna invest it in a company am I just gonna invest it I'm gonna pursue this career right or is it you know it's getting after uh, it's like what two years after I finished my degree is there like an expiry date where someone will hire me you know interesting thoughts yeah. yeah so I was just like oh like am I gonna go the traditional way am I gonna pursue an entrepreneurial kind of route but I don't have the experience or the knowledge base to really do that just yet and it was like all these things were building up and I got full-blown depressed in the second year. Deep. Full-blown, dude. Um, on, while you're on the boat. While again. I was on the boat yeah. as well. Um, yeah, so it was it was kind of, I was just at war with myself. I completely like not enjoying the moment or being in the moment. And a lot of my friends that I was working on the boat with could definitely see that in me mm. where I had everything in front of me to really just enjoy and embrace and just be in the moment and I wasn't. I was just in the future. In the future, not looking on the past, not looking at what I've achieved, just, you know, the whole time. Um, and then... Did you uh, feel like you were stagnating on the boat? Did you hit a... Massively. A, a ceiling? Yeah. Um, certain people in the crew I wasn't getting along with. Uh, uh, and it was just... The owner wasn't a very nice person. Um, so to, to, to serve someone and to serve someone, you know... I actually asked myself this question. I was like, what would 12-year-old Wayne think of what I'm doing right now? I'm cleaning some rich man's boat. I'm not changing the world. I'm not making any difference in anybody's life. I'm just putting money away, missing time spent with family and friends just so that I could be in a better position financially. And I've never always, I've never been about money. I've always been about, yeah, okay, cool. Like you can't forget about money, but it should never be your main goal. You should really pursue what you're good at. Um, I want to ask you something there. So, that, yeah. so that's, you asked yourself what 12-year-old Wayne would say yeah. of, of you at that time. Yeah. What would 25-year-old Wayne say of you at that time now, looking back? You did well. You did really well. Yeah, like... So you've got perspective now, you feel? Massively. Massively. Like, I've done a full circle, man. Like, it was... It was like looking back at what I've achieved and like 
I, I referenced my brother because he was in a similar position with the student loan and he went the traditional routes. Chemical engineer, got his master's, finished second in the class. Like really bright guy um, and struggled to get any bursary, struggled to get a, like a, a proper engineering job for a while. He's now, he's now in that position, fortunately, after persevering it for quite a while. But, um, you know, he only paid off his student loan much later than I did. Um, and I think that was really valuable for me. Not to say that like he was in a worse position. It was just like I wouldn't have had the mental toughness to have gone that traditional route because I was I'm still that kind of like anti corporate, anti traditional kind of person. Um mm. and yeah, so if I had to tell twenty three or twenty four year old Wayne at the time, like I would definitely say like, Well done. You I gained so much. Like I can work with tools, I can spray someone's car because I know how to mix the paint, I know how to, you know, sort and treat wood um not a lot of people know these things yeah and i also learned how to manage a whole team of people effectively that's a big deal and so young yeah and you get thrown in that deep end and i also like i thank the people that put me in that role and giving me that responsibility because they saw something in me so this is what's interesting is you end up having this sense of gratitude for the people who put you in that position yeah even though maybe at the time you thought what is happening yeah (laughs) (laughs) asshole um yeah and uh if they're listening and if they ever get a chance to listen to this like yeah forever grateful um which which kind of led me like when i was in that pickle trying to think what i was going to do and i was still very anti-society i don't want to be locked up and trapped in a in a proper job um i kept being in kept getting in touch with Chris, um, Chris Rogers. And he was doing really well with his videos and he really loved the creativity that I brought forward when we we, we did our, it was our final year project at UCT, yes. um, our GoPro kind of IT system that we developed. And I, I was kind of in charge of the look and the feel of the, of the program. And he really loved that creative edge and the way that we work together. And we both knew, like we, we work pretty well together. We kind of understand each other. And, um, yeah, we just kept leaning towards it. I was like, yeah, dude, I'm really enjoying my photography. I'm really enjoying all these creative things that I love to do. I'm just not getting a means to do it because I'm on this boat. And it's just like, no, like, we need to go. We need to go do this. And long story short, Chris was like, dude, things are picking up fast. I need your help. And I was like, okay, sick. Um, I'm finishing up here. I'll see you in November. And... Another reason that I actually want to touch on is that I was also getting super depressed on the boat because my hearing was going. So again, just for context, like I've grown up with with like hearing impairment and it's now and again been treated, but um, untreated hearing loss is, is something that I was in denial of. Well, just hearing loss I was in denial of. And if it goes untreated, it's, it's pretty gnarly, man. You become a recluse. Um, you start avoiding social interaction purely because it's frustrating for you. Um, you overwork your thoughts, you overwork trying to hear something as opposed to someone that's just listening and they're just like, oh, okay, cool, uh, that's a conversation. Whereas I'm, I'm constantly doing this and I'm like watching your mouth and I'm trying to see things and I don't even realize it or so I'm in denial of it. So people on the boat were thinking I'm an asshole because I wasn't greeting him in the morning. Meanwhile, I just didn't hear them. That's so interesting. Hectic. Yeah. Yeah, so you, you, end, up, um, you end up kind of pulling away from all these cool things unknowingly but it's purely because you just can't hear very well 
and people misinterpret it exactly and then also people are misinterpreting that they start maybe treating you differently Massively. and then you become more of a recluse that's exactly what was happening more distant exactly what was happening um and yeah long story short i told i told chris i was like listen dude um i'm gonna come and work with you um and we're gonna you know we're gonna take on the world um and pursue this thing that he was doing with youtube um, obviously his Instagram was blowing up and he was just doing really well on social media. Um, and he had a really kiff business model that he wanted to still implement. Mm. Um, and I thought that I could really be of use with that. Um, yeah, but he seemed to be building a lot of momentum and, mm. and needed, uh, support. Yeah, potentially. yeah, yeah. Um, just some, just some groundwork done. Um, and I was ready to do that rather than take on a corporate job. And, um, I just said like, before I do this, I need to go and get my ears sorted got the cash i'm gonna do this i'm gonna drop it i'm gonna i'm gonna go and get my ears sorted so the majority of my money from the yachts that I accumulated after paying off my student loan went to a really massive um ear operation and um the doctor was like the fact that you haven't tre treated this and you are still here without dementia is surprising whoa yeah so yeah fyi if you don't treat your hearing loss treat your hearing loss because it could lead to dementia um it's a depression, dementia, and all these other psychological effects that wouldn't otherwise be there. Got you. Okay. Um, so it has this ripple effect. Massively. And I was starting to notice that, and that's why I was panicking. I just yeah. kept telling my mom, like, now and again, I'd phone my mom and be like, Mom, like, my hearing's getting super bad. And, like, you just have these breakdowns. And still in denial of getting it sorted. And I was just like, you know what? Screw it. I need to go and get this sorted. Yeah. Um, it turned your life around, I'm sure. Massively, dude. Yeah. So what happened was is I got my, my, my uh, operation done, but then the doctor said, like, as a result, you've now got this eardrum that had a hole in it and the in-ear has been completely missed. But to prevent it from getting, like, super damaged from when you go and swim and stuff, I'm going to close up that eardrum and we're going to try and see if those bones can work to give hearing back, but it's not likely. So as a result, in the meantime, until we can assess what's going to happen, we're going to give you a hearing aid. And at first I was like, oh, a hearing aid? I don't know. No, I don't know if that's, if that's for me. Like, And then the more I started noticing how bad my hearing was and starting looking at the results for my hearing test and how much the doctor was so surprised, I was like, dementia or hearing aid? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I, was, I just waited up. I was like, yeah, screw it. Give me, let's, let's do this. And that was even more money that I dropped. Um, really expensive for that kind of technology. Um, but I got it and I was stoked. Um, and yeah, it's the way I describe it now. And I have such a positive outlook on it because it's changed my life massively is that I'm not having to overthink or, or stress about hearing people. Um, people actually, I'm having to repeat for them cause they can't hear me kind of thing. You know, that must've been magical HD hearing dude. <laughs> um, but the best way I describe it, like a lot of people get taken aback. Oh, he's got a hearing aid. He's super deaf. Oh shit. No, um, I can hear well, just like I don't have my hearing aid now. It's just certain frequencies in certain environments I need to hear properly. Is, is there a stigma? Do you think people check it out? Well, initially, because it, it is very foreign, dude. For someone so young to have a hearing aid, it's not, it's not like a known thing. Gotcha. Unless it's like you're born with it and it's like, mm, like you know, it's a touchy subject. Yes. Whereas for me and my mates, we milk it so hard, dude. Like at the time when it wasn't treated, I would like it would be a joke, haha, and then I'll take it personally. But now the fact that I've got a hearing aid, it's like, it's the same thing with glasses. You're what, right, you, yeah. what, what you, I'm sure, I remember you wear glasses. Mm, so, every now and then, yeah. yeah. So you use your glasses to read certain things in certain situations. Exactly. The same with my hearing aid. 
It's a good point. Yeah. yeah. So it's but it's not as uh, commonplace. So no. People are still getting used to the idea. Exactly. Now. And the thing is that more and more people are starting to realize how bad their hearing is because they've either just bashed their ears through with their headphones throughout their years as a kid or they've actually had some general you know, occurrences. Like people that surf a lot, dude, they get surfers here and actually permanently damage their inner ear. Interesting. Um, eardrums are wrecked and all these things and the hearing goes, but they don't want to cheat it. Yes. Um, so I think it will become more common as the technology probably progressively becomes cheaper and obviously more advanced. Um, but also I like that message to be spread about uh, hearing loss uh, shouldn't be taken lightly. It's more than just you can't hear stuff. It's actually going to oh, affect dude. your life. Yeah, dude, psychologically, psychologically, it's 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 not cool. But um, just to show you guys, um, this is the little device. That's it. Um, and I put that behind my ear. And what's cool is that the technology is so cool. I'll do that. Yeah, so for anyone who's just listening, this is a tiny, tiny, tiny device. Yeah, it's, well, it, the thing is that that wasn't even the smallest, but the audiologist was like, cool, you can get the smallest if you really want to. Yeah. But the battery life is shit. Uh, so I kind of got the middleman. I was being yeah. more practical. I was like, you know what? I'm accepting of this thing. I'm going to get it. Um, and yeah, I haven't looked back, man. And it's been really cool. And then, yeah, long story short, got the hearing sorted and then got on board with Chris. Um, so cool. And then it's like you, after your, uh, you know, after your trip, it's student loan gone. You can hear now. Weight off the shoulders. Here we dude. go. Yeah. Lifetime. Yeah, exactly. And um, it was just, again, like I came back home, same feeling. Like everybody's again, changed their paths on different things. And especially your close mates, man, like you don't, you don't want to lose touch with them because you hold them so dear. But at the same time, you don't want to hold them back. You don't want them to hold you back, but you, you want to kind of be on the same journey together. Um, so that was kind of bleak for me because everybody has just finished their studying. And here I am, I'm getting back from the yachts, like waiting for everybody to, you know, we're all going to do shit together. And everybody starts going overseas. So my good friend, Matthew Wilson goes over to Asia for nearly a year. He just got back. Um, and then my friend Matthew was just on the yachts and you know, everybody's going in these different routes or talking about leaving and then you just like, but I'm here. And you're like, no. Um, uh, but yeah, so then, yeah, you have to, yeah, you have to redefine your relationships with them. Yeah. 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 And again, that was me at the time, not enjoying that. But as a result, I've made so many new friends. Amazing. Yeah. And then, you know, I've still got those close friends because I've made sure of it. But then I've also got these new set of friends that are just as great and have taught me so much. Um, and then, yeah, I cruised over to the United States for the first time in my life with, with Chris. Um, I actually spent my birthday there. That's so cool. Yeah. It was, just, it was mind-blowing like how, how open and ready Chris was to take me on and to let me kind of be who I was. He was like, dude, this is me. This is what I'm doing. Help me as, in any which way you can. But here's, here's stuff for you. Be yourself, be your creative. Um, and I suppose like it was, it was just almost too much for me to handle. Like I wasn't too sure. Like I was treating it like a professional job when I shouldn't have, it should have been like, here's, here's your creative flow, man. Go. Interesting. Um, did you put pressure on yourself? Massively. Almost to the point that it was like writer's block, but actually creator's block. Just like, boom. Um, and that's the thing with with creating, especially in a new space. When you're just starting mm. to create in a new space, you just have to make, 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 make. And you yeah. can't get stuck in that block. Yeah. You have to just bash through it, which yeah. is so difficult. Obviously, yeah. it's easy to say. Yeah. And um, it was it was also what was getting... But also, I just want to add, also, I mean, uh, 
Chris was at a certain level yeah. and you were, I mean, it was right for you to feel a bit of pressure. You yeah, wanted ma- to massively. compliment what he was doing. And he, yeah. he made it, he made it very clear that he, he didn't want me to feel that way. But when you go with him to all these people, um, you do feel the pressure because you almost, you, you want to be yourself. You want to be known as your own creator, but you're so still want to be associated with him because you, you know, you want to make that work as well. But then everybody's like, oh, you're living in a shadow. But he was like, no, dude, you're not living in my shadow. You're just working with me to make you work kind of thing. But everybody kept saying like, oh, you're living in a shadow. And that was also getting me down. But then what really hit home for me was that although creativity is a very, very strong part of me, um, that field of creativity in social media was not fulfilling for me. And it, it took a really long time for me to come to terms with that and to realize that. Um, and I mean, I gave it my best shot with Chris. I mean, we, we traveled to the United States and we, we spent like three weeks in California. I mean, we got to LA, um, we went straight to Mammoth Mountain and snowboarded. After that, spent like a week and a half with Austin Keen um, in his house, a professional skimboarder and shot with him. Straight after that, we road trip all the way up to San Francisco. We went to the headquarters of GoPro, the headquarters of Boosted Boards, we went and had lunch in the head um, quarters of LinkedIn. Um, we went on boosted boards all over San Francisco, Golden Gate Bridge, like all these things, and then road trip all the way back and went through Big Sur. Like just, dude. That's so intense. Like an experience I would never give away ever. Like it was just incredible. And that was with one of my good mates. Like Chris and I have known each other since high school. We yeah. all you, we went to high school together. Yeah. Um, and it, it was just I wouldn't give it up at all. But obviously what was what was really hitting me was that I wasn't creating. I wasn't doing my thing. And I was trying to finding new ways to do that. Um, and it just wasn't working. Um, then we spent my birthday in Orlando with a whole bunch of professional wakeboarders, the top wakeboarders, Corey Tunison, um, Sean Watson, like all these big guys um, lived in their house, stayed in an RV. Um, we went to Ginny Springs, swam in the clearest river water you'll ever see. Um, and yeah, just for me as a person, I wasn't embracing this because I was just putting so much pressure on myself to create and I just wasn't. And then I got back and Chris had to shoot off to another place and it just wasn't financially viable for me to tag along for that one trip. It just didn't make sense. So I said, no, I'm going to rather hold back. Um, things are going pear-shaped at home. Like my parents were recently starting to split up or at least thinking about it. Um, and I wanted to be there for my younger brother. Um, and then that's when I just, that's when I told Chris, I was like, listen, dude, I'm, I'm going to have to call it quits for now. You know, um, I'm going to let you go. I've done what I can. I've given it a shot. It's been a year. You know, we had kicked this off technically for a year. Um, and really cool that you could immerse yourself for that long. It's yeah, really nice. I, but I, yeah. I, I told myself to, I told myself mm-hmm. to, like if I had given up prior to going to the States, I would have had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, and if I had, just jumped off straight after the States, I still would not have given my time, myself time to try and figure out if I could still do some level of creation and contribute to Chris and contribute to myself. Um, and it just wasn't working. My head was elsewhere with family. Um, I was also stressing about a proper job, not wondering, like I was wondering if what I'm doing with Chris was sustainable. Yeah, you're probably thinking about the longevity of that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so just I wasn't sure how well it was going to work. And I also didn't want to interfere with what he was doing because he was doing so well. You know, it was his baby. It's 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 something that I admire so much of him was was 
his flow, the way he did things, the way he's created and the way, he, like, you know, you and I have seen him evolve from crotch camera days to what he is now. It's just like, oh, like you wouldn't want it for anybody else. Like, yeah, awesome trajectory. Yeah. yeah. And um, I didn't want to interfere with that anymore with what I was going through as like a block. And I was just, I just, I was honest with him. And the fact that I was honest with him, a lot of people thought like, oh, you're getting involved with a friend in a business, like you shouldn't do this. And I just told Chris from the start and I told my mates from the start, as long as you communicate, and this is also another massive life, like life lesson, don't hold anything back, don't lie, don't dodge or hop or you know, walk in eggshells, like just be super frank and upfront, but in the most sincere way. And you know, if you are connecting with the right people and befriending and building relationships with the right people, you shouldn't have to worry about that. And that was something that I could do with Chris, you know? So I told him like, listen, this is where I'm at with my family. This is where I'm at creatively. This is where you are. Right now, what you're giving me, I'm super grateful for, but it's not for me. And in doing so, I'm actually holding you back and I'd, I'd rather not. And he was super supportive um, and he let me do that. He was like, yeah, go for it, dude. Like if you need to do, if you need to do you and you know, family is number one, go ahead um and we're still in contact i mean we still talk we met up for coffee the other day we had a f it was supposed to be like a half an hour handover of gear it ended up being three and a half hours of just banter and catch up that's awesome yeah it was just it was and everybody had still like oh well, there's chris oh, are you gonna are you still mates and i was like yeah of course like, i'm still his number one fan um and yeah it was just that's kind of where i was earlier this year i think it was in towards the end of august right yeah that was this year yeah dude um so i mean vastly working with chris uh then ended up working on the boats uh, working with him um then i was like well now's the time if i was ever going to get a job relating to my degree in tech um now is the time to do that because you know i'm expiring in terms of how recently you've just studied and acquired new knowledge to how well you can adapt that to a, a level of profession. It's you know? interesting. Yeah, your relevance starts to decay mm. after you finish. Um, and obviously in between my, my hearing, um, when I had my operation towards the end of 2017, um, obviously that was the hype of the cryptocurrency boom. Um, and that's that really captured my eye. You're sitting in front of a computer healing up and doing absolutely nothing. You're like, you might as well. Um, so I dabbled, I had a bit of money to spare and I like started, you know, messing around and then I bought a course. Um, and then with that course, I started making some side cash, um, and was lucky enough to learn enough from the course to not have lost any money when there was the crash. Awesome. Um, and obviously that, that trading kind of mentality was great and all and what the currency was doing, but I saw that as also a new technology emerging and or probably a way or like my in to doing something so now you're obviously on linkedin and you're busy looking for a new job and you're trying to figure out things and i was like oh what are my old classmates up to so you remember devon krantz she she yes. studied with us yeah you remember florian yes um, of course. florian studied with us i'd look them up and they were both working on something similar and then someone followed me on instagram megan doyle um looked up at her on her profile and she had a story about the same thing linum labs linum labs linum labs and I saw it was like all about blockchain. Like it was just their blockchain architects at the time. It's not blockchain architects anymore, but that's what they were doing. And I was like, hmm, okay, well, I, I, mess, I reached out to Devin. I was like, listen, like I trade, um, but it seems that you guys are handling the underlying technology. 
So the best way I can describe blockchain and cryptocurrency for everybody listening, because there seems to be a, a massive negative connotation around the two, because um, cryptocurrency obviously has received its bad rep with Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, someone, I can't remember who said this, but like um, what email is to the internet is what cryptocurrency is to blockchain. It's a small component of a technology that has so much potential. Yeah. You know? Um, so to kind of just box blockchain into the same category as cryptocurrency is, is stupid. Um, and yeah, long story short, I, I reached out to Devin and she was, she remembered me and my work ethic and my creativeness and, and who I was. And she was happy to mold me into one of their positions that they had available. That's awesome. And she and the community that she had running within the company. And I say community because everybody was so accepting of who you are and super happy to incorporate whatever you could bring it was like a company just coming out of that startup phase so um you know you have one role on paper but you're actually doing all these different things yeah i just want to jump in there on the on the networking side of what happened because you reached out to devon mm. and which was, i hadn't spoken to in like three years right yeah but you had had experience working with each other you knew each other's character to some extent you yeah. know because um from studying together mm. and then when it came to saying hey i'd like to get involved in what you're up to mm. she knew who you were yeah so then was willing to find a job that worked for you whereas that's like a complete flip on the standard job application process which is how can i squeeze how can I squeeze okay. into an existing position? So, so that, okay. So let me just clarify things. She knew who I was and she knew the potential that I could bring to the company. Right. But that didn't mean that I didn't have to go through the full interview process. And for the guy who is, um, her partner, Paul, um, Paul didn't know who I was. And he also has the final say in this. He needed to see who I was and what I could bring to the table. Florian also interviewed me. And although we had studied together, like, of course, I had a slight bias on it, but they still needed to find whether I still had what it take to, to, to you know, swim. That's so awesome because um, because it would be a big mistake if you're bringing people in, yeah, thinking they have potential, yeah, and you haven't vetted them properly. Exactly, that's awesome. And yeah. I I knew that there were like uh, friends or not, like you got to you got to you got to push yourself and show that you can still do what you can do. You know, um, so Devin didn't go light on me. Um, she asked me the right questions. She gave me the material to learn if I needed to. She gave me the means to take hold of this opportunity. She didn't just give it to me. Um, and I, I appreciate that. I respected that, that she just wasn't all willy nilly and said, ah, oh, cool. You can get a job because what company will last like that? Um, exactly. Man. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, it shows they knew what they were doing. Mm, and I think at the time I had leverage in the fact that I had an interest in cryptocurrency and blockchain. Whereas because it's still such a foreign concept to people, people don't really learn much about it. Um, so when I came to the interview, I had my personality and who I was, which she knew, but other people in the team didn't. So they got a taste of that. So I had Megan Doyle and a girl called Carla interview me. Um, and then, then I had an interview with Devin. And then after that interview with Devin, I had an interview with Devin and Florian at the same time. And then after that, I spent like a day with the team um, kind of doing like a, an introductory course on blockchain because she was just upskilling a few of the, the new ambassadors and employees. And then I thought, okay, this is a chance for me to prove myself and be there and show face, and, which is what I wanted to do anyway. Um, and then I had my last interview with Paul. And I don't know what it is. Paul's a great guy. But when it comes to interviewing, he knows how to pull the carpet from underneath you and throw about five or six curveballs just to throw you off. So you think you know your stuff. 
boo, no, humbled. Um, and after that interview, I promise you, I thought I didn't get the job. I was right. like, no, nah, there's no chance. No, nah, doesn't matter. See you, Dev. And I didn't hear from them for like, I think it was like a week and a bit. Right. And they were like, yeah, we'll, we'll get back to you. And then um, an email we'll, came to we'll you. We'll call you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of those things. I was like, oh, okay, I'm going to hunt for more jobs. Um, and then, yeah, long story short, like uh, I got an email from Paul saying like, hey, dude, um, here's your offer. We are, you know, you've got a set of skills that we could really work with. And we want to kind of upskill you in other parts that we think that you could still work on. And awesome. the fact that someone was willing to invest that much into me, regardless of the money, regardless of the perks of the job, um, it was just like, yes, someone can see something in me that I can feel. I know I have, you know, and just that sense of value and sense of worth just resonated with me. And I haven't looked back since it's been a couple of months. So you could say like, I just got through my three month probation and all those things, but it hasn't felt like a day of work. And they've used my creative side, dude. So like it's technical, like in blockchain and I'm learning things about bonding curves, commitment curves, the whole token economics and tokenization, which which can tie closely to cryptocurrency, but can also be used in other economical incentive-based things. You yeah, know? Um, can apply to other stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and I'm currently working on something that is hopefully going to change the world. So there's that, there's that sense of fulfillment that I wasn't getting on the yachts. And yeah, cool, I'm not getting thousands of euros anymore. I'm getting a decent salary, a fair salary, but I'm doing something fulfilling that is kind of involved with empowering communities and creating, um, just giving the people the tools to take communities further for the greater good. Um, and to be involved in something like that, as well as the technical thing, but then within the company, they're like, we need you to take photos here. And I'm like, yes, we need you to edit this video. Yes, we need you to do a voiceover. Dude, they made me voice over a pilot blockchain project for the National Swiss Federal Railway Service. No way. And That's I so did, cool. Yeah, so I made a video. I made yeah. a video of like a screen recording of using this pilot block, uh, blockchain app. Um, and basically, I voiced over and added this British accent. And I just added, you know, I, did, I recorded this <laughs> with a microphone under my duvet, put it all together. Dude, it's gone viral. No way. There's like a, there, it was on Cointelegraph, which is like, mail and guardian of cryptocurrency and gotcha. blockchain tech like all these publications were retweeting this article playing this video uh, i think we got a message today from a korean network wanting to translate the article and play the video like and here's wayne like, with his little <laughs> cheeky voiceover like people think like oh this is probably just another series. Yeah. the acting skills come out yeah, in dude. the strangest places yeah, yeah and just, so they, they've used that skill but it was upskilling me in potential leadership opportunities in the company That's later cool. on and there's just good sentiments within the company, despite what the market's doing now, which is absolutely horrible. But that that's not deterring us from, or actually the whole community, it's not deterring the community from from using this technology for what it really is capable of. And again, I touch on fulfillment, and it's just like, yes, I'm I'm where I need to be right now. So, how does it feel to be a young professional? A lot, a lot better than what I thought it would be interesting you know and yeah. like again like i was i was probably really scared of the the feeling trapped kind of thing yeah um but the way that our, our company functions we all work remotely so we obviously work off slack which is like a communication tool within the team we work off trello which is like a task management tool um and then we obviously work off google docs and everything is like all in the cloud or via the internet and um you know, people are working from Switzerland, people are working from Berlin, people are working from Johannesburg, people are working from here. Um, we also had one of our colleagues now working from Singapore because he wanted to go to Singapore for a while. So there's different, there's a company culture that we've got instilled where everybody can work wherever the internet is. 
Um, that's so cool. There's, there is freedom in that structure, which is so awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's like a big thing about this new way to work yeah. is the people who would be frustrated and trapped by the, the system of old yeah. uh, now get to flourish in this slightly looser system. Yeah. And it's just slightly looser. Yeah. I mean, I, I must say for me personally, I really appreciate the ability to work remotely. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm in a space where I'm doing software design. It's this creative thing that I'm doing. Massive. I don't know when that's on, I'm on or off. Like mm. I don't know when the creativity is going to strike. And I'm not saying that you should just like wait around for it to happen. No. But what I'm saying is like, you never know when you might hit a burst of productivity mm. and you, it, the environment you're in can actually change, change that yeah, yeah, in a big way. Massive. So this ability to be remote has really changed the working world mm. for slightly more creative people. And I mean, I'm, I, I can only speak for myself as a creative person mm. and, and you sitting here saying the same thing. Yeah. Um, I can, I can imagine it might be the same for people, for everyone really yeah. just yeah. enjoying this, uh, slightly more freedom in the structure of working in a company of people. Yeah. It, it's it, another thing that I found is that like when you get told to work from nine to five, if you get told that you have to work those hours, you don't want to because you're being told to. But if someone says, Oh, work whenever you want, you find yourself working longer than the nine to five. Definitely. And just the fact that nobody's telling you what to do, you find yourself wanting to work harder because you are responsible, you are accountable, and yes. who, you are who you're answering to. That, yeah, that, that's actually an interesting side effect of it, yeah. Massively. Yeah, you take on that responsibility yourself and then you actually drive yourself to work harder. Yeah, like if I want to go to the shops now, I can. If I want to go and play guitar now, I can. If I want to go to gym, I can. But I need to do work today at some point. Yes. And it needs to be done. However you want to do it, do it. That's so and cool. That's what's so great about it. Warren, it's been awesome having you on today, man. Yeah, I've really cool. enjoyed this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thanks, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, once again, please share your favorite quotes, your favorite insights with us. If you're watching, please drop them into the comment section below. And if you're listening or the comment section isn't for you, please tweet me at Jamie and you. When, where can people find you online? Um, on Twitter, if you want to learn about more crypto and blockchain stuff, uh, I'm at Wayne's World ZA. Um, and then it's the same handle, um, Wayne's World ZA on Instagram. Yeah, if you want to see some of my photos. Awesome. Cheers, man. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Cheers, Cheers guys. <laughs>